Hi, I'm Leah Wheatholter, owner of Workman Forensics, and this is the Investigation Game Podcast. Welcome to the Investigation Game Podcast. I'm Leah Wheatholter, CEO and founder of Workman Forensics in Tulsa, Oklahoma. On this week's episode, I thought it might be fun to mix things up a bit, which is why I invited three different professionals that I've connected with on LinkedIn, but I have never actually had a conversation with them, whether in person or over Zoom, until today. So I invited them to join me for really quick conversations to discuss their current work, how they got there, and some career advice. I will admit I was a bit nervous in doing it this way. I absolutely loved meeting all three of these incredible professionals. And now I am certain that we have to have a longer episode for each one. I found these conversations encouraging and inspiring, and I know you will as well. I'm also super excited to share these conversations with you so that you will have some new or additional anti-fraud resources to check out because all of these guests provide valuable content about our industry. Let's jump into my first interview of the episode with David Malamed. Well, today I have with me David Malamed. Thank you so much for joining me, David. Thank you for having me. So David, first of all, we're just going to start off, just jump right in. What do you do currently and how did you get there? So currently I'm a forensic accountant and fraud investigation expert. And in university, I became a chartered professional accountant, both in Canada and the U.S. And I realized quite early that I, I liked investigating. I've always, I've always had lots of questions for everybody. I ask lots of questions. I want to know lots of things. As soon as someone tells me one thing, I want to know the next and so on and so on. And uh, through school, I met some forensic accountants. And I started with Ernst & Young. And one of my professors was actually working in the forensic department. And he said, do you want to come and meet uh, Nick Hodson, who was the lead forensic accountant at the time, the forensic accounting partner and fraud investigation partner. I went and I met Nick and he spoke to me for about three hours. And when I was done, I went home and my wife said to me, so did you get the job? And I said, I don't really know there was a job. And the next day, Nick Hudson gave me a call and he said, so if you're comfortable working out of the box and it sounds exciting to you, why don't you come over? And I never looked back since then. I did a graduate degree in forensic accounting. I did a few other designations so I could become an expert in terms of testifying in court. And, I, you know, I really like the, the, I guess there are three aspects of it that really get me excited. The first is fraud prevention. The next is the investigation component. And the third is being able to testify in court. Those probably are the three areas that I like the best. And so what are you doing currently? I'm doing investigations. Usually it will be either a public company, private company, partnership, where there's some dispute element there could be allegations of fraud along the way. And the dispute is usually over a contract or an employee where maybe a whistleblower has submitted a tip saying that something is outside. And my job is to go in and to investigate, collect the evidence, interview individuals, identify the landscape of documentation, and prepare a report that chances are will be used in court that I would then testify to. So it's not every day that I meet a forensic accountant or investigator where they would actually list expert witness as one of their top three out of this job. So what is it about doing the expert witness side of this that you enjoy? You know, as, as investigators, we work so hard behind the scenes. And I, I really feel that court is where I get to shine. 
and I get to share the work that I've done, my team has done, I get to do the examination in chief, so I get to go through the story of what it is that I've done, and at the, at the same time, you know, I get to defend during cross my work, and at times, you know, at times I'm defending based on fact and findings, and at times, you know, if there's an error, there's always the ability to apologize to the court, but, you know, that sure, everyone makes mistakes, um, but I, I really feel that, that being in court, uh, it, it results in an outcome. Uh, you know, and I've got to work on murder trials, drug cases, I've got to work on elder abuse, where I, I really feel that I'm doing good and helping people and helping get to the place where the courts want to be. And when I do say help, I mean uh, independently, of course, but, you know, I feel, I feel part of the solution, which, you know, one of my goals is always to add value add for my clients. Absolutely. So is there one particular area that you think you've found over your career that would be like your niche or maybe maybe it's just your favorite aspect of fraud investigations? Uh, fraud investigations, I would say the, what I do like is when it is occupational fraud. You know, occupational fraud really has to do with the internal employee where most occupational frauds are identified from a whistleblower or tip line. That's one of the things that I run is I run a whistleblower program. And with those tips, the investigation begins. And really, you know, that's how, that's how you start kind of peeling back the layers and getting to where you need to be and finding out the information. I think that in terms of my day in, in investigation, my favorite part would probably be, be interviewing people. Uh, as I said, I got lots of questions for people and I want to know lots of things. Last year, I worked on quite a big engagement. It was a $6 billion hydro transmission file that wound up going over budget by double. And I did maybe 45 interviews in about 30 to 60 days. And the interviews can, you know, they last anywhere from an hour to four hours. And it's unbelievable speaking to people, the amount of information that they tell you and that they give you. Uh, and it really is an art lesson learning how different people are and personalities and characters are different. You need to treat them differently. Uh, but, you know, you've got your dialogue in your own head and you, you don't have a scripted question list. You may have some areas that you want to get to. But I think that it, 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 the, the strategy and, and the techniques used are fantastic and it's amazing. You know, I, I had this one file where uh, I was interviewing a woman and um, I asked her what she could tell me was going wrong at the company and she told me the first thing. I said to her, you know, what else can you tell me? And then she told me another thing. And I you know, I hit her with the same question, what else? She started telling me about a private plan that they were using and that they shouldn't be using. And that had nothing to do with my investigation. But you know, just from open-ended questions and sometimes repeating my questions, kind of taking the Columbo effect. Uh, and the Columbo effect is where you know, uh, I want you to explain it to me one more time because I don't get it so quickly or I'm not, I'm not so fast. Maybe you can explain it to me. Uh, you know, at times it frustrates the interviewee. But I do find that it also helps with consistency in the story and the evidence. Sure, absolutely. Well, my final question for you today is if you were giving a future investigator career advice, because we have a lot of those that listen to this podcast, what would that be? I think you need to decide, you know, I've worked with the police. The police and the criminal side was probably about 10% of my practice for quite a while. And I think that no matter what you investigate, whether it's murder, whether it's fraud, whether it's um, drugs and uh, private grow-ups, I think that you, you have to have 
an investigative mindset. You have to be excited by this. This has to be something that is not a job, but it's a career. You know, I love what I do. I love meeting new people. I love finding out the real story, the substance over the form. And I, I guess my, my overall advice is really, you know, make sure that this is an area that you want to be your career and not just a job, because it's not a nine to five job. We never know when we're going to be busy. We never know when we're going to be slow. I guess one of the amazing parts of doing what I do is that each investigation is always different. And I like variety in my life. I, you know, I don't want each day to be the same. I like it to be different. Yeah, well said. I completely agree with that. And if you don't love it, there's a lot of really tedious parts in this career that if you don't love it, it's going to be miserable. I mean, you do have cool stories maybe before and during and at the end, but there's a lot of mundane details in the middle. So thank you so much for joining me today, David. And before we go, I know that you have a YouTube channel that you've been working on. So would you tell us about your YouTube channel and where we can find more content that you're putting out there to help fraud investigators and also clients? Sure. At YouTube, my channel is Uncover Fraud. And I've got videos there that talk about different current events on fraud, different topics on fraud, actual files that I've investigated, uh, as well as for any investigator, I've got a, a resource website, uncoverfraud.com, where you can go to and see videos and articles. Uh, I have a book coming out at the end of this year, uh, which is called Uncovering Fraud. I think you can start to see the theme. And, you know, the book is, it's, it's a good read of, of short stories, many of the files that I helped investigate and work on, uh, where you get to see it through the perspective of sometimes the investigator, sometimes the bad guy, uh, and there's lessons learned. And it's, you know, it's an easy book to pick up and read a chapter here or a chapter there, because they're just a bunch of short stories put together. But, you know, as I said, uncoverfraud.com, it's a really good resource. Uh, if your listeners want to connect with me directly, please, you know, please feel free to reach out to me through that site as well. Wonderful. Well, we're going to have to have you back on the podcast to talk about your book after it drops or right around that time. I so it. I love it. Yeah. I look forward to it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And I look forward to talking to you in the future. Okay, great. We'll be right back to this interview. Hey everyone, it's Leah. If you haven't yet played the newest investigation game, Case of the Cashflow Fiasco, you are missing out! The newest game was created for a virtual environment with interactive components providing the story and evidence you need to investigate fraud against a lender by a customer. Think of a virtual escape room that also lets you earn CPE credit. The Case of the Cashflow Fiasco conveys ethical decision points faced by a business owner when cash flow is tight and the fraud risks to creditors and vendors in the same situation. I will be hosting this 50-minute, one-hour CPE every Thursday starting November 12th at 9 a.m. Central Time, excluding Thanksgiving, of course. The cost to join and to earn CPE is $35, and for podcast listeners, you can use the code TIG for the investigation game. So TIG podcast 2020 for 10% off. The link to register is in the show notes. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. Welcome back to the podcast. My next guest joining us this week on the podcast is Jennifer Ford Smith. Jennifer, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, welcome to the Investigation Game podcast. To start off with, I'd like to just start with what do you do currently and how did you get there? So first of all, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. 
I am an independent fin crime consultant. So in other words, I help financial institutions, lenders, and private companies investigate financial crime. And I absolutely love it. <laughs> Basically, my day-to-day -day involves everything from identifying what aspects of fraud have potential for a successful investigation, training staff on what to look for, and discussing corporate policies with senior executives. So it doesn't sound glamorous, but it's a chance to affect change in a company and to protect them going forward from being the victims of fraud or from being part of the money laundering process. That's awesome. So you currently work independently to do these things. So how did you get into this field originally? I think like originally my path out of university, I was, I was looking at something in the banking realm and finance and economics and going back, I, I really love puzzles and that sort of thing, but I just, I didn't think that fit into my day job. So, you know, I, I'm, I love James Bond. I love, as a kid, I was into like fingerprinting kits and understanding how they're used on a crime scene when other kids were looking at coloring books. So I felt weird at the time. And I honestly thought that I'd eventually just find a job in a bank um, and go home and watch true crime or something like that. But what I did instead was um, I started in a job at a lender so they were a mortgage lender and serendipitously I identified a mortgage fraud. From there, I started looking at the fraud alongside law enforcement and we were trying to get, you know, the perpetrator. Um, and I really found my happy place there. So I realized that I could make space for myself within the right company um, to help identify and prevent fraud. Um, I did things like creating a database to try and track frauds going forward. And it was suddenly I wasn't stuck in a cookie cutter position. I was drawing pieces that I really liked to use, um, you know, identifying the, those pieces to the puzzle. I felt useful and it was, it was a great fit. I love how you said that you kind of created space within this because one of the things whenever I get asked, like, how do I get into this niche? The way that I have said, have been saying it lately is we'll start serving in that way. So whatever you have around you, start finding ways to serve people, you know, if somebody thinks, oh my goodness, my husband's hiding money and I don't know. Well, what do you have access to? I mean, Google. And, you know, just start looking at just information about this person or just helping people in that way. And so I love that that's how you kind of, it see, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it kind of seems like that's how you created this niche for yourself. Absolutely. I mean, fraud, the fraud center at a lender, if there was one at the time. So um, when I was really getting going in this field was back in the early 2000s, shortly before the financial collapse. So you've got all these people that are qualifying for mortgages and everybody's buying a home because everybody qualifies and all that whole thing. But how do you come in and you say, well, I'm going to find fraud and I'm going to tell you not to lend money. I'm going to cost you money for my job, um, you know, for me to do my job here. So it was a hard fight to fight, but it was so fruitful because when you start putting the pieces together, like that database I made to find the trends, well, if I can tell you early in my career when they're like, oh, you don't quite know what you're doing yet. No, yes, I do. I can see it. And I'm going to predict that this one is going to become fraudulent. And you'll see that if you look at these pieces. So it's very much drawing in those pieces, really trying to to go with your gut on what you think is right and and you know trying to trying to encourage those executives to really understand and see wait a second we can identify this fraud here and we can we can you know make the company better as a whole too and protect it 
Absolutely. Well, we for sure need you back on to talk about anti-money laundering and also this mortgage investigation. Like I am, I'm very curious about this. The only time I got to touch a mortgage investigation was when I worked for a little bit for the FBI. And that was one of my favorite cases. I don't get a lot of those in private sector. So we'll, we'll have to have you back on to, to tell us about cases like that. Lots of biker gangs involved there. So it makes the story exciting. I'm happy. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Yes, you're going to have to come back. Okay. My last question is, if you were going to give a future investigator career advice, what would that be? So one of the key pieces for me, of course, like I said, I identified the fraud and that was, um, you know, I was sort of lucky to have found it at that moment. Um, But for me, I had seen uh, somebody that was a public speaker and who was um, a well-known investigator. And I decided to approach him just to ask for career advice. Now, this won't happen for everybody. It's what clicked for me. He gave me great pieces of advice and eventually became a mentor. Um, But But I think for many investigators, they're probably sitting here listening like, oh, she's going to tell me which certification to get. Now, those pieces will help, but they won't get you the job. Um, And I think ultimately the key to successfully entering a career as an investigator is staying at the forefront. And what I mean by that is everything from reading the news and learning about new methods being used for fraud, new technologies used to launder funds, Um, to going to networking events, uh, meeting people in the industry, and learning about jobs first so that you're at the forefront. And sure, it might seem scary. Um, You know, I speak to many people that, that are like, I don't like networking events, they're intimidating. But it's actually great practice for an investigator because a large part of what we do is we speak to people and we try and identify whether they're telling the truth. What better practice than to just meet people, talk to them, figure out figure out how to start up a conversation. Um, Another angle, um, if someone's having difficulty finding an exact job match, especially, you know, during, you know, as the economy changes now with the pandemic, you might not know quite what jobs will be there. There's adjacent pieces that people can work on. So um, investigator needs to be a great researcher. You could work as a researcher and start to build those skills. Uh, You might have great financial skills or technical skills. Um, and those those are things that are are useful going forward. But I think ultimately, in the North American job market, it's about the connections you make. So you can't just ask for the job. That may or may not work, if, if so, great, but um, probably not likely. So people need to see your skills demonstrated, and especially in this field, they need to trust you. Um, for those of us that are investigators, we spend most of the day working with people who are skirting the law. Um, and so we need somebody that's trustworthy and dedicated over the long term. Yeah, I, I agree with all of your career advice. Like, well said, I love it. And, you know, we've talked about this before on my staff that when we are dealing with someone, whether they are the victim of embezzlement, whether they're a spouse that feels that money has been hidden or assets have been hidden or a partner that's been ripped, a partnership dispute where they feel ripped off or, you know, a lender who's, customer that they really trusted and thought they knew stole from them, those types of things. They trusted those people and then that trust was violated. And so we often feel like, oh my goodness, do you not trust us? We are trying to help you. But they just had that trust violated. And so if you're kind of on the line of trustworthy or not trustworthy, it's not going to bode very well for you in those situations because they are on, your clients or my clients are on high alert 
once they have been ripped off and realize that they've been ripped off, ripped off. So. Exactly. And they want to work with somebody that both has the skills and that they can trust that you're going to give them an honest opinion. Yes. And work on their behalf. And anyway, the whole thing. So I love it. I'm definitely going to have to have you come back on and let's talk about like banking things. Also, what I love about meeting other people in this field is finding out that like I wasn't as weird of a kid as I thought. Like this whole investigative investigation sets and all of that. Oh, man, we would have been like best friends as kids. <laughs> uh. I'm so happy to find a kindred spirit. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. I love it so much. Well, before I let you go, I learned about you actually because of your YouTube channel. So would you tell us where to find your YouTube channel and what's on your channel and why you started it and all that good stuff? Sure. So it's Fin Crime Investigator, and there's um, basically two streams on the channel right now. So there's episodes that come out. Um, there will be another one coming out shortly on scams. Um, but those episodes are going back to the film noir era um, with the Fin Crime Investigator in her office, ready to discuss money laundering or fraud cases. And then, of course, um, as the pandemic started, we realized there was a lot of um, interesting conversation that needed to happen in the fin crime area. So um, we started with some virtual fin crime pubs. We've had attendees from around the world come on and discuss every topic from human trafficking to pandemic specific scams um, to how, you know, how to get into the field of investigations. And, um, and they've been a hit so far. So we're, we're happy to hopefully start those up again as well. Yeah, those looked really fun whenever I was looking at some of those that, like, I didn't get to attend live, but I saw some of the pre-recorded stuff, and it looks like a lot of fun, and you've added a lot of creativity, especially during this time, but but just in general to fin crime and fraud investigation, so. Gotta add some, uh, some zip to it. That's right. Get the right people involved. Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time and we'll definitely have to have you back and we will make sure to link and everything to all of your content as well in the show notes. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure and I, I look forward to coming back for a chat. Today I have with me Nicole Landau. Nicole, thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast episode. Thanks for having me. So we're just going to jump right in. What are you doing currently for your career, work, job, profession, and how did you get there? So currently, um, Landau Consulting Solutions specializes in the construction industry. That's our specialty and our focus. Within that, I have two divisions really within my business. So I have the fraud division, but I also have the accounting division. So in the accounting, we really focus on the fraud prevention and bringing in internal controls into our accounting engagements. So construction companies will outsource their accounting to us and we help them with their accounting, but we really want to bring in that internal controls because we do have the fraud division. We don't want fraud to happen on our watch. So we're setting up those internal controls and making sure everything's working the way that it should be. And then on the other division, we do fraud investigations. So that will be prevention, but it could also be cases that have already happened. And it's not just focused on construction. And I get calls all the time without, without construction industry. It might be in different industries, but we'll pick those up as well. And how did I get here? I would say by luck. <laughs> I worked, um, when I started my career, I was an internal auditor. My boss at the time, he was my manager, said, 
I studied for the CFE, I have it, I think you would absolutely love it, you should study for the CFE. You might not ever use it, but if you do, I think you would really enjoy it. So I did that and I absolutely loved it and I said, I need more of this. So within the major retailer that I worked for at that time, I worked at their corporate headquarters and they had their own loss prevention team. So the fraud cases or the theft did not come in through internal audit, it went through this um, division. So I actually went out on calls with them and went and did investigations. They had theft and they sold products. And so we went out and we, we interviewed and we did all of these investigations that they would. And I said, I need more of this. Where can I get more of this? So I made the leap and really started to grow my network and started working fraud cases, partnering with other um, CFEs that cases that they worked and really just have expanded it from there. So it definitely was not something that I went to college for or had a class and said, this is what I want to do. It's just something that was introduced and I have fallen in love with it. That's awesome. So I guess you didn't grow up wanting to be an investigator or did you, did you read mystery novels or anything investigation as a kid or did this completely come like later in your career? I, I always did. And if you ask my husband what my ideal Friday night would be, it would be having a glass of wine and watching Dateline and fraud, mystery, murder, mystery cases. He thinks I'm crazy, but I've always been like that. I didn't really know like, hey, this is a career. I thought about joining the FBI like you did, Leah, and going down that path, but I never really went down that path. And now that I'm here, I, I'm like, I want more of this. That's awesome. I do find it super interesting that you're in this anti-fraud in accounting, right? No, but prevention and, but in the construction industry, because I do think that just the construction cases that we've worked, they are just like so ripe for fraud. Tell me if, if you've seen this, or if you think that this just kind of promotes fraud in this industry is that you have contractors and business owners that are really great at building buildings, but they're not great at running businesses. Absolutely. hundred percent. And so they put all of their trust into one person. They have huge companies and they don't realize that they need to have these other processes in place. And so that's where the prevention, but also the education of like, this is real. This really happens. It's not happening to your partner down the street. It, it's happening here or it could be. And let's take a look at it. Yeah. And when you think about construction, there's just so many dollars involved. You know, I'm thinking of one that was like a $36 million project just here in Oklahoma you know, even if you just have a little bit that is fraudulent, I mean, that's still a lot of money. And then essentially giving someone who doesn't know anything about numbers or accounting or whatever, they're really good at sales and they're really good at building a building. And now they suddenly have access to like tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars or even billions of dollars. What kind of helped you get into this construction niche? So I've always been around construction growing up took every millwork class that there was even in high school. So I love the trades. I love building my husband and I, we've built two houses. So that's when I went out on my own. I really wanted to be specialized in one industry and know everything I could about it. And so that's where I came back to construction. Yeah, very awesome. Well, if you were giving a future investigator or someone aspiring to be an investigator like now because they're exploring new careers, what career advice would you give them? I would tell them build your network. Within the fraud community, there's a lot of great people who just want to share their advice and their experiences. They're very open. We've connected on LinkedIn. I've connected with other people, Kelly Paxton through LinkedIn and just messaged people and said, hey, 
I want to talk. I want to know what you're doing and let's collaborate. And there's so many great people that want to share this trade with others and continue to see it be successful and to continue to grow. So don't feel like you can't do it or you don't have resources. Hop in, message people and just go for it and really build your network. Yeah, that's great advice. I've definitely, my team really pushed me last year to start the podcast, which then started the YouTube channel, which then forced me to be on LinkedIn and all of that. But you're right. Once I got into, I mean, because we were just primarily focused on Oklahoma based cases. But once I started meeting other people outside and then um, like meeting Kelly and then uh, Joe and then you and then we were supposed to do a conference together and then it didn't work. But still, like just meeting everybody and sharing ideas and I know that just this week I contacted Tracy Conan about, you know, hey, have you ever worked a case like this before? And you're right. Everybody's just we do have a really cool community on LinkedIn and and you post a lot of great stuff there. So I wanted to make sure that our listeners know to find you on LinkedIn and we'll put your profile link in the show notes, but to find you on LinkedIn because you do post really great long posts, which I have not. I do not have the patience and have not mastered, but I do appreciate your time to just share what you're seeing and what you're, you know, learning. And Absolutely. I want people to t have some takeaways from those long posts of this is fraud, but how can we prevent it? Um, if we don't have somebody in-house that has this specialty, hopefully they can pick up nuggets here and there. So that's what I like to share is the internal controls and the prevention and education. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, we definitely need to do an episode on um, construction fraud and construction fraud prevention and like related to the accounting outsourcing and, and stuff that you also provide for those companies. And so we'll have to have a much longer conversation where we talk about favorite cases and really dive into all of that. But I appreciate your time today sharing just your background and some career advice. And so thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Leah. The Investigation Game podcast is a production of Workman Forensics. For more information about the topics we discuss on each episode, please visit workmanforensics.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also connect with us on any of the social media platforms by searching Workman Forensics. If you have any questions, comments, or topic ideas for the podcast, please email us at podcast at workmanforensics.com.